Welcome to our podcast. It's called For the Love of the Game, presented by Horsebills.com. I'm Bob Ike, joined as always by my business partner, CEO of Horsebills, Mark Dosh. And uh, Mark, in the upcoming interview, we have a real fun guest. His name is Jose Hernandez. He's from Wynwood Thoroughbreds. And it's Breeders' Cup week out here at Santa Anita. A lot of excitement and can't there can be nothing more exciting than running a horse that you own in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, it's really an amazing story, and it just it, we're we coming keep coming across different people uh, in the game that come from um, different walks of life, different ways they got into the game, different strategies in the game, and it, it's it it really just emphasizes how great of a game it is, and you never know when you might get lucky. We're all in it for the love of the sport and the love of the game, but um, there's also a level of success that you can have in the game and a level of enjoyment that you can't find pretty much anywhere else. And uh, whether it's a small guy hitting it big or, or the big time players, you know, playing at the top of the game, um, there's different ways to get it done. And, and the story with Jose Hernandez, I think, um, is the epitome of what we're all in the game for and what, what, what the game can provide to people. And I, I think that our listeners will really enjoy listening to his story as much as we enjoyed talking to him and learning about his story. Yeah, no doubt. They pulled off a 30 to one upset in the million dollar Pennsylvania Derby. And uh, they'll try to do it again at 30 to one on the morning line in the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic. So stay tuned, listen to Jose Hernandez and his very interesting story. And right after his interview, we'll be back with the close of the show. You're listening to For the Love of the Game presented by horsebills.com. Welcome back to the For the Love of the Game podcast presented by Horsebills.com. I'm Mark Dosh, joined as always by Bob Ike. And as we continue our featured guests with syndicate managers across the country today, we are very lucky to have Jose Hernandez from Winwood Thoroughbreds joining us on the podcast. He is a few days out from running in the Breeders' Cup Classic with Math Wizard. Jose, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. So, uh, big news obviously this week. You're going to be heading out to Santa Anita and Arcadia to run in the Breeders' Cup Classic. How does that sound and what are your emotions right now a few days ahead of the race? Well, it's just a real feeling. It's, um, it's unbelievable. I haven't been in the game for that long. Um, many people have congratulated me and uh, it's, it's unimaginable just to think that I'm, I'm playing at this high level of the game. But um, it's a blessing. And um, I'm just grateful about it and just waiting for the best. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into your involvement in the game, how you got into it, and how Winwood Thoroughbridge started and, and, and get into that. But let, let's talk about Math Wizard a little bit more before we get into that. So uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing story, really, because he ran in the same race, uh, a $16,000 maiden claimer uh, back at Gulfstream. And the winner of, of, of that race was Maximum Security. And amazingly, Maximum Security won the Kentucky Derby. And so you have, like, like Bob and I were talking about yesterday, probably the, the, the livest $16,000 maiden claimer in the history of horse racing between these two horses. So he won that, he won that day. He came back. Uh, or actually, he finished third that day. He came back and broke his maiden again for 16000 um at Gulfstream Park. And then 
he ran for 25,000. When you claimed him, he won by 18 and a half lengths. So tell us about uh, what went into claiming him, what you guys saw on him, and how the process was of picking him out um, that day that he won so impressively for 25,000. Well, at that point, um, for me to explain this whole procedure, you have to include Safi Joseph Jr. in the, in the topic. Um, Safi is, is one of those young trainers, very knowledgeable of the game, always looking for new information, new um, advice, and, and, and always learning. He's, he doesn't stop learning. So Safi has been in the claiming game for a little while now at Gulfstream Park. He knows the game very well, and he's always looking for the up-and-coming horse that is on the upswing and with up value. And he uses various methodologies to get to this point, and and he's a very good analyst. So when this happened, um, he had already had an eye on Math Wizard. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, a couple of other owners were interested in the horse, but the one owner that was able to get to the claim was John Finelli. And John Finelli is one of the owners that has been with Safi for a little while now. But after the performance and after he was able to win the shape, um, it was obvious that the horse was performing a little bit higher than what Safi was expecting um, the horse to perform, right? So once he obtained the horse, it was, it was inevitable. Calls were coming in. I'm assuming that um, John was getting calls uh, about the horse. And the question that was going around the barn was if John was going to sell the horse. So mm-hmm. nobody knew anything because John was the one getting the phone calls, and I think Safi got a couple of calls too, but it was not clear if anybody was going to offer a lot of money for the horse. So eventually, I, I guess John gave the green light to to sell the horse within some of the owners in the barn um, with Safi, and it was a blessing that Safi invited me to be part of the ownership. Um, I mean, I cannot be I cannot be any any more grateful than, than what I am today for Safi inviting me into into this exciting um, partnership, and for John to give me the opportunity to be part of um, to be part owner of the of the horse. Jose Bob Ike here, Mark's partner in Horse Bills. Um, interesting couple of things there. First of all, I was going to ask if you guys were shaking that day, and and they, and you, if John did win the shake for twenty five. And then interesting that you guys got in after that. You obviously made a good claim because you came right back in an allowance race and ran a good second. But right after that, you guys really, you know, went for the deep end of the pool and jumped into the Wood Memorial. Uh, tell us the thinking of, of what you guys uh, were feeling when uh, you, you entered into the and ran in the Wood Memorial. Well, surprisingly, John is one of these horse owners that, he can take big risks, and he likes the big, big risk. Um, poker player, and um, the moment after the claiming um, of Matt Wizard for twenty-five thousand dollars and winning the seven-way shape, John saw a lot of potential. Um, Safi is not a skeptical guy, but he's a very—he um, can see things far, so he doesn't like to run before he can actually walk. And um, that's the balance. That's the yin and the yang between John and, and Safi's relationship. That one wanted to go to the extreme, but Safi was feet on the on the earth. 
Um, after the, the few workouts, Safi came to understand that the horse had potential. And it was okay to go after the allowance to go to the Wood Memorial. And that was a blessing in itself. I mean, we had not been at that level. And we just went straight out there. Many people asked us, why are you guys doing this? Safi said, we got to give it a try. The horse has the potential. And the only way to find out is by, you know, putting him on this race. Yeah, and so immediately, I mean, he, he, uh, he showed that he belonged because he ran fourth in the wood. You came back at Oaklawn in, in a big race. He ran fourth there. Ohio Derby, he ran second, just missed half a length to Owendale. Indiana Derby, he ran third, um, beaten four lengths. So what, what were your emotions going through all those races? Now, you're running in graded stakes races for three-year-olds all over the country. What was that ride like in those initial few, first few races where you guys were running in these big races? No, it's been an unbelievable feeling for the simple fact that um, for the last three years that I've known Safi, we have only been claiming horses uh, with, you know, on the upswing. And the objective is to, to claim, put them back on the track, get a win, get our winner circle picture and move on to the next one. But with this horse, it has been is, uh, such a different um, vehicle to allow us to enjoy not only racing at this level, but the horse performing better and better at every race. And um, it was just inevitable. We knew now at, that, at this point that at one point or another, we had to win a race. So over the summer, we knew the calendar was going to be packed with the different derbies, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia, and so on. And John was pretty much selecting what race he wanted to be. There were many conversations going back and forth between Safi and John. I know they were, uh, at one point, they, they discussed um, the Haskell and the Travers, but it was the schedule. Safi's, Safi's point of view was the training the horse for the right race at the right time. And I know they, they decided on the right races, but I think when they got to the West Virginia Derby, um, it seemed like the horse was a bit tired. Um, and I, I know Safi mentioned in one of the interviews that he went to the well too many times. Mm-hmm. But um, after that, he just refreshed the horse. And, I mean, I was working at home the same week of the Pennsylvania Derby, and Safi sent, sends me a text message, and he says, hey, are you coming? And I said, no. Why? He goes, you better come because I think we have a great one winner. It's <laughs> going to be my first and your first. Uh-huh. And I said, wow, you're going you're gonna to make me pack my bags and go to Pennsylvania. I'm sitting in Florida. And <laughs> exactly that. I just, I called my wife and I said, honey, I think I'm going to Pennsylvania. Safi says we have a very good chance. My wife looks at the, at the form. He goes, he's still 30 to 1 to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, he said, we have a chance. So I just packed and um, I head out to Pennsylvania. I invited my brother and his wife and one of my nephews. And we went out to parks and. Believe it or not, after the end, it was it was an amazing feeling. Jose, I mean, 30 to 1, you guys didn't get a lot of respect at the windows that day. Uh, I hope you and some of your group at least uh, ha- had a few bucks besides the million-dollar uh, purse up for grabs. But just kind of describe, I-, I saw Safi's interview after the race. He was extremely emotional. Uh, describe how your whole group was feeling right afterwards. Well... Let me tell you, my phone was ringing off the hook. I had 
135 missed calls. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can go back and look. I mean, so many calls were coming in, and it was just nonstop. Messages through Facebook, messages through um, Instagram. There were messages that I just couldn't believe how to respond. Um, I was shaking. It was just... It, 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 the adrenaline was so high, I just couldn't believe it. And even after that night, we sat down and I just couldn't... It was like, how can I fathom this? You know, it's, this is unbelievable. <laughs> wow, that's just... It's... It's so awesome to hear that. I mean, we talk about for the love of the game, and that's kind of it at at the at the highest level you can get at. And it's great how you talked about, you know, people that are involved in the claiming game. You, you don't expect to be running in in grade one races. I mean, every once in a while, you there's a horse that can make make the jump up. But you're you're running in claiming races, like you said. You're you're getting ready to look for the next claiming race. You might lose the horse. You're not thinking about stakes races where you know people that go to the auctions and buy spend a lot of money it's, it's a different way of thinking because you're running in allowance races and stakes races and it's just it's a whole different level so it's, it's really great how you describe that and, and the emotions are just unbelievable i can't imagine winning a million dollar race so now now we're uh, we're a few days out from the breeders cup uh safi had all the confidence in the world at 30 to 1 in the pennsylvania derby what what are the expect expectations going into the breeders cup uh you drew the rail and uh that's obviously it's it's deeper waters. He's facing older horses for the first time, um, and it's a it's a lot bigger field. It's not just a six horse field like there was in the Pennsylvania Derby. So what what are the expectations a few days out? Well, Safi's a very humble guy. He'll never tell you that the horse is going there to win, but yet he will tell you, "I am not here if I am not going to win." Right. So at the end of the day, the horse has a very good chance. You have some other very good horses that are also peaking, like Honor Code. McKinsey has already established himself as a, as a very good horse. Uh, Owendale is in the horse in the race. Um, obviously, he beat us in the Pennsylvania in the Ohio Derby, but you know that's nothing to say because Mr. Money beat us twice, also Indiana and West Virginia Derby, and we still beat him in the Pennsylvania. But at the end of the day, the understanding is our horse is a very special horse. Um, he has done what he's supposed to do. He's a May baby. So to me, he's peaking, and this is, it, it's not a, it, this is the best time for the horse to be peaking right now in this stage of the game. Jose, have you ever run a horse at Santa Anita before? No, we never have. So this is first time for Safi uh, and the rest of the team. I'm not sure if John has ever run a, a horse in, in Santa Anita, but I know John is a Northeast guy in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And in some occasions, he has claimed horses before with South in South Florida. But I don't think none of us have been out west. Um, Bassett Stable has in, uh, is from New York. Uh, Danny and Color Meditelli Stables are from Florida. And Safi is from Barbados, but he's located in Florida. So we have been all, we have kind of all met in Safi's barn. And we have been enjoying the game together. And have you ever attended the races at Santa Anita? No, we have not. Oh, this is going to be some experience. I mean, a beautiful place against the mountains, running on the biggest stage. I mean, you guys have to be so excited about this. It's an exciting time in our lives right now. What about the Breeders' What about the Breeders' Cup in general? Uh, have you been, Have you attended the Breeders' Cup? What What does the Breeders' Cup event itself mean to you? 
Um, how, what has it meant to you as, as a horse racing fan and owner? And, and what does it mean to you now that you're going to be participating in it? Uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, probably we didn't say this at the introduction, but my first Breeders' Cup, I watched it from the Dominican Republic, where yeah. I'm from. And I remember it was 1988. And if I'm not mistaken, Ali Shiva was the, uh, Ali Shiva was the winner, I think. I don't remember. And then 89 was Sunday Silence. And, and that's an easy I, goer, yeah. An easy goer and so on. So if you go back, when I first came to this country in 1986 and um, 87, I think it was Skywalker. And I remember Skywalker because of the name, Star Wars. You know, who, you know. But at the end of the day, what I'm telling you is that's like the day that you celebrate horse racing. And to me, that has been stuck for the rest of my life. Um, the Breeders' Cup is November, and, and that's it. The end of October, the beginning of November, is just magical. No question about that. And you guys come from, uh, uh, you know, a modest beginning with Wynwood. Uh, maybe backtrack a little bit just how you got started in racing on the ownership level and, and how you guys have built up down to about 15 to 20 horses in your uh, syndicate? Well, the idea has been to own a horse at one point or another, even if it had to be just a piece of the ear or the piece of the tail or ah. hoop, whatever. And finally, we, as an individual, I decided to buy a small percentage on a, on a filly that Safi claimed in, in 2016. That filly's name was Esken Lady. Esken Lady went on to win two races in a row that, to me, that was just crazy. I have never seen anything like that because, as a kid, my dad was involved in horse racing, and we never seen horses win that often or even just win a race. So for that feeling to win two races in a row, I was completely amazed. And then I'm just meeting this guy that just, I'm like, who is this guy? So from there, we kind of formed a, a bit of a bond especially that first win when she was able to do one mile in 135 on a 62.50 claiming race. And I look at Safi, it's my first race, and I'm looking at this guy that I just met, and I said, isn't that a good time? And he's like, eh, not really. And he walked <laughs> away from me, and then he called his dad on the phone, and he's screaming to his dad, do you see the time? And I'm like, why did you play me off? <laughs> and it was just funny that he, he got excited with his dad, but to me, he kind of played it off like, eh, don't get hung up on that. Um, but <clears throat> that feeling after that, she ended up going to the claiming crown and she ended up second um, that same year at Gulfstream Park in the Glass Slipper State. Um, and to me, that was like the highest. I couldn't believe it. He was like, um, he goes, enjoy this because this doesn't happen often. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Now we, we have a great one winner. You took it to the next level. Yeah. You, you moved on from the claiming crown to the Breeders' Cup. I, I know. But, you know, after that, it was like, when will that happen again? And Safi said, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. It's so amazing. That, the, the good thing about the, the story of Esken Lady was that she wasn't doing good again. And she ended up back in the claiming ranks. And she was bought away from Safi and the partnership that I was involved. Um, but then I was able to buy her back about a year later. 
and now she's in the, uh, a good friend of mine and I, we own the horse, and she's in full now to the lieutenant, a regional styling in New York, and hopefully she, she puts out a nice baby next spring, and we're back in the ranks again. You jumped, you jumped into the industry with, with both feet. You're already in the breeding game. You got claiming horses. You're running in the Breeders' Cup. I mean, you're all over the place now. I know. But at the end of the day, like Safi has always told me, you have to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to do and mitigate risk and get out when you need to get out. Absolutely. I think, what are some of your early memories back in the Dominican of what, what did a horse racing mean to you then growing up and how was your dad involved in the industry back then? And what was just the industry like there in the, in the Dominican? I'm assuming this was, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. 70s and the 80s when the um, old racetrack was in place before they built a new one. Um, racetrack in the Dominican Republic was fun. was a place to enjoy an afternoon on a Saturday. Um, scream, yell, and, and just build a, a somewhat of a brotherhood with, with the people that you probably didn't even know next to you just because the horses were running on the track. But my brother and I, we grew up in the, in the track watching races on Saturdays, and that was some fun, some fun times. Um, my dad was not uh, a big owner, but he was involved with some of his friends in small ownership and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, enjoying the, the horses that were running at that level and eventually moving on to the Caribbean Classic in either in Puerto Rico, Venezuela, or Mexico, and, and watching those horses perform with other horses that were at another level, it was fun. Because you were hoping that one of those native horses at one point or another will win one of those big races. But um, I don't think it didn't happen until much later uh, when Joel Rosario won a race in, I think it was in Puerto Rico. But mm -hmm. through the 80s and the 70s, I don't remember one of the Dominican horses winning um, one of the classics in the Caribbean. Um, but anyway, but those days were fun. Um, it's a different game. Over there, in, in some cases, it's, it's almost more like a hobby than, than anything else. It's not somewhat of a big industry. Now I see some breeders that are breeding. Uh, they have some big operations, but um, I still don't see it as big as how it's done in the United States. So what what uh, what spurred you to then move to the United States uh, in, in the late '80s, and then uh, living in, in South Florida? I'm assuming you were a regular at Gulfstream Park. So take us. I mean, that, that's you know a lot of a long time be between that and when you decided to start getting into horse ownership in 2016. So how, how did you how did you get to what, what brought you to to Florida, and then? Um, what was your, were you just a racing fan for, for those, for that time uh, on, until you got into the game as, as an owner? I always loved the game. I loved the game so much that I didn't, I never went to a track in the United States until possibly 2016, which was almost three months before I met Safi. Mm -hmm. So to make the story short, I came to the United States and I lived in New York. I had aqueduct and Beltman available to me. In Saratoga, in Saratoga, possibly, possibly two and a half hours, and I never went to any other tracks. And I'll tell you why. I love the game so much, I wanted to just stay a little bit away from it because I knew the <laughs> moment you put me in one track, I was going to end up owning a horse. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. 
So you self-imposed exile. Uh, exactly. your, your, your love of the game was so strong, you wouldn't allow yourself to go to the racetrack. That, that's, that's pretty disciplined, Jose. I, and I, and I, you know, I did pretty good, but for 25 forward, years, almost, <laughs> no, it, it took me a while. So when we moved to South Florida in 2005, it was, I, um, I was very close to Calder and I, I, well, my wife can tell you, I never stayed away from watching the, the triple crown, the major races that were on, on, on national TV. And I'll follow, I'll follow some of the trainers, um, Dwayne Lucas, Bafford, uh, Nick Zero, and Asmussen, and so when I'll follow some of the, the big, you know, trainers, but never went to the track. I, I knew myself, I don't need to go to the track. I'm okay by just watching from afar. And at the end of the day, Caldo was right next to me, and I remember um, the church that I was going to. There was a jockey that was going to the church, and one day he invited me to come to Calder, and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I'm, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. He knew I was a fan. He knew I knew I knew the sport, and I just told him, I said, no, I, I'm just going to stay out. So what was it that finally that finally made you bre break your, uh, your ban on yourself and, and, and got you to the track? The only person that could actually break that wall or break the chain was going to be my wife. Yep. And she was the one that took me to Gulfstream Park the first weekend of May in 2016. Kentucky, it was a Kentucky Derby day? Yep. <laughs> and, you met, and then you met Safi that day? or, or No, no, I did not meet him. I met him after, two months right. later. So <clears throat> she took me there to celebrate our anniversary. Now you know what's going on. We yep. got married on the first weekend in May. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and she said, you know what? It's time to go to the track. And we went to the track, and the rest is history. She made fun of me. She made fun of me after we bought the, our first horse. She said, you know, what do you just buy? Uh, you know, the ear, the tail, what's going on? And I said, it's okay. We just bought a little piece, but let's see what happens. And we haven't looked back ever since. That's awesome. That's a great story. And really, it's, it's, it's why we do these podcasts, to, to find stories like this, Jose. And, and you certainly represent uh, everything good about uh, the game and the ownership. So uh, we're going to wish you uh, having great luck on Saturday. Well, thank What's you guys the, uh... so much. What, what, so be, before, we, before we wrap it up, uh, a couple more things. What, what's the plan for the syndicate moving forward? How many partners do you have? And um, kind of what do you have in your mind as far as where you want to take this in, in the near future after, after the Breeders' Cup and uh, when, when things kind of settle down a little bit? Well, the partnership has somewhat grown in the last two months. We have been, we have been structuring different um, programs or or ownership groups and hopefully within the next three months we have our partners enjoying a couple of the two-year-olds that we purchased mm -hmm. and we're back in business but right now we're enjoying math wizard and and his feast and we're going to take it to the next level hopefully great and so uh as far as how horse bills has helped 
you run the syndicate. Um, were you using a different kind of accounting functionality before until you found us, or did you start using horse bills kind of when you, when you started the syndicate? And how has it worked out for you and what and and what your partners uh, think about how they feel with the access and and being able to see everything, their ownership and their bills online uh, on the website? Well, horsebills.com has helped us so much. Well, the simple fact that we have become organized, repeatable, and the transparency level has opened up. It's like blue skies. Um, before, we were just using different methodologies, whatever came to our hands. If you requested information, we'll send you a spreadsheet or, or an email with a, a quick couple of lines of numbers and subtracting and adding and so on. But Horse Bills has enabled us to just message the invoices, message um, the, the bills and everything comes out, out of the system. They can go back into the system and review this information, take a look at their credits, take a look if they're in a plus or in a, on the negative side and, and understand where their account is standing. So at the end of the day, the level of transparency that Horse Bills <clears throat> has brought into our partnership is, is putting us at another level. It, allow, it allows our partners to understand the level of transparency that we're working and to be able to understand where they stand on a daily basis. They don't have to wait at the end of the month. They don't have to wait at the end of the quarter. They know exactly where they stand and they know exactly where they should be. And if, and if, they're, you know, if there is any issues, they can ask questions right away. Excellent. Well, it's, it's gratifying to hear that, um, the, the positive feedback that we're getting from yourself and so many others uh, really makes what we do very rewarding. And uh, we appreciate that. And so, uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, safe travels out here to the West Coast. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of excitement over the next couple of days. Uh, look forward to getting to meet you out here at Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup. You're going to have you're going to have uh, two full days of, of races to enjoy before before you guys come up on the last race of the weekend. So um, looking forward to meeting you. Uh, thanks again for your time and uh, best of luck uh, on Saturday. Come about 5:45 when the gates open for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, Jose. Thanks a lot. Uh, that was uh, Jose Hernandez uh, from Winwood Thoroughbreds. Their math wizard is running in Saturday's Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, hope you enjoyed the interview. Stay tuned for the close. We'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed that segment. We sure did. And uh, we're going to wish Jose and his team all the best with Math Wizard. And Mark, uh, we were out here at Santa Anita uh, Monday, and they had the post position draw for both days, all 14 races. And uh, a good turnout. Well done. Went quickly. But I thought, uh, you know, there were some horses maybe that didn't get the best of it with drawing the rail post. I think maybe some of those favorites are uh, slightly comp compromised by that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was it was a good draw. Uh, I like the uh, the technology that they put into it. The graphics were were, were pretty sleek, and um, it was a good time. And the, the Breeders' Cup, like Jose talked about, uh, for those of us in the industry, are uh, it's it's the two greatest days I think in sports, and uh, we're really blessed to have it again here at Santa Anita. And uh, looking forward to two two great days. Uh, Kovefi, you mentioned, uh, drew the rail. Catalina Cruiser drew the rail. Um, and th they're in sprint races. So for those two in the sprint races, drawing the rail is generally not the ideal place to be. So they're going to have to overcome quite a bit 
in order to get the job done. Um, a couple of scratches uh, today, and there's always you know a couple before um, the two big days, and, and these ones came on on Tuesday um, with both Maxfield, who was the second choice in the juvenile, and Landis Cog, who was a bit of a price, uh, both uh, being out, and uh, hopefully we don't have too many more defections in the next couple of days. We have great field size, uh, great racing, as always, with the Breeders' Cup. Amazing to see horses coming from all over the world, um, Korea, Japan, um, of course, Europe, as always, and, and a strong contingent from across the country on the East Coast. So it's really a remarkable international event. I'm looking forward to it, as always, and hopefully everything goes off without a hitch. Yep, Friday will be the two-year-olds. It's called the Future Stars, I think, or Future Stars of Tomorrow. But it's all the two-year-old races uh, will be run on Friday and then Saturday, uh, the big one, including the Breeders' Cup Classic and, and a lot of the original Breeders' Cup races uh, when it was a one-day event. So uh, Santa Anita hosting now for the 10th time. And Mark, uh, it's in our backyard. So uh, we're going to take full advantage and, and be out here both days and enjoy all the festivities and uh, hopefully cashing a few tickets along the way as well. Absolutely. Uh, it's my favorite, not only the, my favorite event to attend, but as far as racing and handicapping the races, they're my favorite races to handicap. Uh, I generally, knock on wood, can, can do pretty well. Um, stakes races with horses that we're familiar with for the most part. Uh, the X factors with some question marks of unknowns uh, obviously coming in from across the pond um and a lot of those euros generally do pretty well and our contenders is in the turf races so um some, some spread races for sure if you can narrow down a couple races here and there and then spread out and find some prices which they're sure to be uh, you can make a nice score absolutely well we hope you enjoyed this episode of for the love of the game as much as we did and uh, we'll be back and do it all again next time this has been presented by horsebills.com thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon